Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner of Future Technology podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future Technologies, poised to transform our lives for better or worse, are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used, or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hey, this is Richard Jacobs with Future Tech Podcast, almost here around the corner technology. And today I have Amanda Johnson of Dash Details. Uh, she does a YouTube video series uh, based on the Dash cryptocurrency. Is that right, Amanda? It sure is, Richard. Okay, good. At least I got the intro right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if you can um, tell folks, how did you get involved with you know, cryptocurrencies in general and um, what prompted you to do your YouTube series? Sure. I guess it's been a bit of a path to the YouTube series. I first heard about Bitcoin. I think like most of us first heard about Bitcoin. For me, I guess that was early 2013. And mm. I, I've i always been interested in money, monetary policy, whatever you want to call it. And so um, I never would have become, rather, I didn't become interested in Bitcoin for like technical reasons. I wish, right? I mean, I wish that I were like a programmer and that I could marvel at the elegance, and, you know, genius <laughs> of the code or whatever, but I certainly right. cannot. So it was rather the pitch that it could function as an alternative monetary system that caught my interest. So... Um, Fast forward later to 2013, um, I was lucky enough to get a job writing for Bitcoin Magazine, uh, and then nice. that led to uh, a slew of other outlets, and then about a year later, I decided that you know while writing about cryptocurrency had been fun and well and good, um, I wanted to try to compete in the video reporting space, uh, because there was not much of that going on at all. And so I started a show with my partner, Pete, called The Daily Decrypt. Uh, it was a Monday through Friday YouTube series. And uh, that lasted about seven months. It was great. The theme of the show was currency competition. So we tried to report on as wide a variety of what I view to be competing digital currencies as we could. And it was through reporting on all of those that I just found myself continually and increasingly impressed with Dash's fundamentals, you could call it. And okay. so um, I wanted to find a way to work exclusively for Dash. And so very luckily for me, um, and I guess not surprisingly either, uh, Dash has allocated a portion of its block reward, that is the new coins created, to mm. hiring um, to hiring people to do tasks that need to be performed above and beyond the running of just infrastructure. So above and beyond okay. just running miners and full nodes. And so I made, uh, it's called the Treasury. Um, it's 10% of the block reward. I put a proposal into Dash's Treasury to okay. see whether it, um whether its vested voters were interested in paying me a portion of their treasury to make a weekly YouTube series called Dash Details. Um, they were. Nice. And so I've been doing that for the past six months. That's great. 
it, yeah. you know, we need people like you that aren't just on the tech side because, you know, I've done 20 some odd interviews and I, I enjoy it. I read about this stuff now every day and I feel stupid half the time because it's really technical. And, I know, right? <laughs> yeah, and, and we need people that will just speak about it plainly because otherwise it's not going to gain widespread acceptance. You know, people are, people fear tech stuff and, um, the more difficult it is, the less people will adopt it. So, you know, I definitely appreciate what you're doing. It's a big help to the community. Thank you. Well, yeah, I yeah. mean, like I said, I've I've had such like an awe and reverence for programmers for some time now because to me, I mean, you know, if code is law, they're able to, you know, write the law of online worlds that can exist <laughs> like in this mm. place outside of scarcity which is amazing, and, you know, I wish that I could do it, but like you say, um, they're certainly in, in the minority of people in the world, and and it would seem that there's something about having that particular knowledge set which lends itself to, uh, I think it's called the problem of knowledge, where you know so much about one particular thing that you're unable to explain it to other people because you cannot comprehend how much less they know about it than you do. Right, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, can you take me back to the moment where you were doing the Daily Decrypt, you know, you're seven months out, and you decide Dash is, like, your favorite, and that's what you want to do all your time to. What did it look like to you after doing seven months of an overview of all the cryptocurrencies in the landscape? Like, what did you see that you liked, and what did you see that was missing that pushed you in the direction of Dash? Happy to. So I have for some time now seen these networks as businesses. Um, and, and and not everyone agrees with me, certainly. Uh, but I I don't see how they don't qualify as businesses, basically, in that they have a product to offer, which in this case is, you know, a, a provably scarce token recorded on a blockchain ledger and if they own any portion if they own any of those tokens or any portion of them um, an increase in the value of those tokens is an increase to these people's bottom line or in other words it grows their business so brings in more revenue uh, puts them more in the black however you want right. to call it and so I became increasingly interested in finding out, okay, well, which of these networks, if any, has either the foresight and or the capability to operate like a business? And to me, that it was, it was a process of discovery with coming to the conclusion that Dash was most positioned to operate like a business. So I'll just give it to you like chronologically as I came sure. upon it. Basically, sure. uh, let, let us think. I think it was like mid-2014. And it was becoming increasingly apparent in Bitcoin that the full node count um, had been going down dramatically. And, and people were, you know, hoping that it did not continue to go down. And I just mm. remember thinking, dang, like... <laughs> Uh, running a full copy of the Bitcoin blockchain requires resources. Um, and and like mining, it 
it ought to be a paid job since it requires resources. And if right. you'll recall, Richard, um, in Satoshi's white paper, uh, running a miner and running a full node at the time Bitcoin was created were exactly the same thing. Like Satoshi, mm. at least not in his paper, he did not envision uh, the creation of like mining pools where you know 50 or 100 or however many guys running miners at home would just point their hashing power to just one guy running a node. And so, um, so it was, you know, a few years into Bitcoin when all of a sudden miners and nodes are a different thing. And while hash power is just booming, you know, to the moon, the, the Mm -hmm. full node count is dropping off. And so I thought, dang, that seems like something that should be compensated. And so Dash first caught my eye when in a bit later, 2014, uh, they divvied up their block reward so that a portion of it went to miners, a portion of it went to full nodes, which they call master nodes because they do more than just keep a full copy of the blockchain. Um, And so I thought that that was like a step in the right direction in terms of just incentivizing all of the workers that you need because like I said, like I'm simple. I just like to think of things in a business point of view. If I were running a coffee shop and I like paid my dishwashers, but not my baristas, like how long are my baristas going to be like top notch, sticking around, doing the best they can, dudes? Like probably not. And so yeah, I wondered that as the um, you know, for instance, like Bitcoin, as the reward goes down, as the nodes grow bigger. I I spoke to uh, I believe Cliff Baltzley of Stash. Uh, that I owe. Um, he said the full node now is like 170 gigs. <laughs> it's growing, and with Factum mm-hmm. and all these companies, you know, trying to piggyback on it, it's gonna. I mean, it probably become a terabyte, I would guess, in the next uh, few years. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's not to say that some volunteers won't always run a Bitcoin full node as long as Bitcoin is a thing, um, but rather it's just a it's a quality thing. Like, what is the quality of work you can? from an unpaid volunteer and what is the quality of work you can expect from someone who's come to uh, see this work as like a portion of their livelihood it's just a it's not that volunteers is like an unworkable model I mean certainly BitTorrent works but if there were I'll give you um, I'll give you yeah I'll give you a big example Uh, Wikipedia you know um, they're having trouble they're raising money but they're not in as good a shape as the public thinks they are because it's all free. So you have to have some, I agree, you have to have some financial incentive to run things. Otherwise, um, they may fall apart. That's a really great example. So, no. yeah, so, I mean, that was that was like the first thing that I noticed. And then as time went on, again, to turn the comparison back to Bitcoin, mm. I began to notice... Uh, posts online that said something like uh, in the Bitcoin subreddit, mind you, like uh, certain developer or certain developments are now being funded by grants or some program from MIT within Bitcoin. Mm. And I was thinking, well, that that's that sounds like some undue third-party influence. And and over the course of the next year or two, more and more, in my view, undue third-party influence crept in in the form of Uh, a company called Blockstream, of course. And all of this, to me, was so obviously a result of, again, another class of employees not being paid. 
which in this case was Bitcoin's core developers. And so, I mean, if you're a person who's expected to put all of this time and effort into coding, but miners are consuming the entirety of your network's revenue stream, I mean, yeah, some guy in a suit with a paycheck, or rather like a, you know, a checkbook who's ready to write you a paycheck, and hey, maybe he wants you to listen to the ideas of his and his buddy also while you're at it, the ideas of where they think Bitcoin ought to go. That's going to be a pretty attractive offer, and so. Well, quick, um, quick question that comes to mind: If the number of full nodes, and we'll get to Dash a lot more, but if the number of full full nodes in Bitcoin continues to decline, couldn't a uh, full node holder uh, license use of their node or allow access to miners in exchange for a, um, you know, a, a rev share? Could that happen, or is that outside the scope of what you know or we could talk about? Could a full node license use of their node to a miner? Well, I yeah, know about the licensing thing. Oh, yeah, but that that is what they do, like, in effect, right? Because the, the operators of these mining pools, I'm sure they keep some portion of the payouts to compensate themselves for hmm. having gone through the effort of running the mining pool, and then they send the rest of the rewards to the miners in the pool. So in effect, I think that's kind of how it already works, minus the license bit. Okay. All right. Well, sorry. Back to uh, back to Dash, but go ahead. So, all right. So you see that because of the lack of um, funding to work on Bitcoin, for instance, it's causing um, people to come in that do have money, but now they they want their own interest to be represented. Yeah, and I just I see that as creating uh, two types of completely conflicting business models. One type of business model is the completely decentralized type where it's the people running the infrastructure and the people writing the code who get to split among themselves not only the block reward but also any fees incurred by the network, or not incurred but charged by rather. And then and then that I, I would see that as being Dash's model, which I see as a sustainable business model in that if we all work, we should all get paid. Um and yep. then but then the, the model that Bitcoin is working with is only the miners get paid and everyone else figure it out for yourselves and once the people writing your paycheck start, you know, having influence on your work, it's going to cause, you know, don't be surprised when people who are working for corporations with different interests, like, start getting angry at you and fighting with you because because that's the other type of business model that doesn't work with decentralization, which is like the centralized business model, which is how can we pay back Blockstream's investors or how can we, um, I mean, the the first centralized funding model for Bitcoin developers was actually just the Bitcoin Foundation itself. And, you know, that didn't work out well either. And so I think that in the long, really long run, um, any blockchain-based network that is trying to run a decentralized network but still trying to pay back investors from a centralized company, the centralized company writing the paychecks, is not going to work. Well, an issue I see is that, you know, I heard Andreas Antronopoulos talk about this. The, um, you know, the internet uses, I guess, what's called IP4 protocol, and 
even though it's like a broken down old car, people keep bolting on things to keep it going and keep it growing because it has this, you know, network effect, tremendous one. Do you see yeah. Dash as, as having that network effect? And, you know, Bitcoin is like hogging the limelight, uh, you know, in the cryptocurrency world big time. Mm-hmm. How do you see Dash? Um, I mean, what do you see as the future role of Dash? Do you see it becoming, taking over the place of Bitcoin? Or where do you see it going? Well, I find that initial comparison actually to be not a completely accurate one. That is comparing okay. the... Bitcoin blockchain and infrastructure to something like IPv4. Reason being is that, and see, this is where I think I disagree with a lot of programmer types. And I think the reason is, is because they come from a background of, I guess, like, I wouldn't say it's non-scarcity, but, okay, so for example, let's... um, so, like, for IPv4 to exist, for it to be, like, a protocol that exists, uh, there doesn't have to be, okay, so I think the Bitcoin block reward or inflation right now is over $100 million worth of Bitcoin a year, right? And that's just, like, okay. base cost. Like, to keep the Bitcoin network going costs a minimum of $100 million a year. The same cannot be said for IPv4. And and also, there is not... Okay, so the way that, like, if I'm a miner or if I'm a full node, I have my choice of which of these networks I will run infrastructure for, and I'm most mm-hmm. likely to choose the people who pay me in the most coin, and, what, and, and what's more, the coin that looks like it's going to be easiest for me to spend, like, as liquidity. Right. Uh, the, the same is not true for IPv4. Like, you, you don't have people in their houses, like, being able to shop around, like, should I run infrastructure for IPv4 or IPv6? Like, which one's going to pay me more? And so I just, I don't think that the comparison is accurate. I think that when it comes to people who are willing to run infrastructure, they they have much more, they can make choices more easily and shop around more easily. And for IPv4 to just exist and be usable, there's not, there isn't a stock price for IPv4 that you have to like keep jacked up to keep infrastructure happy, the way you have to keep the price of Bitcoin jacked up to keep the miners happy. And so, yeah. Amanda, are you there? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, do you hear me? Yeah, just the last two words I guess cut out. But um, yeah, okay, yeah. So, do you, so yeah, just in do you short, think, I don't. Um, feel... Oh, sorry. I was going to say do you, the feeling I'm getting by what you're saying is that Bitcoin uh, may burn itself out, you know, like a fiery explosion at some point in the future. There's a feeling like the sun burning out, or just something consuming up all its fuel until it becomes unsustainable. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I. I personally don't think that Bitcoin will still be around in, say, 25 years. Okay. Hmm. What do you think will be around in, let's say, uh, five or ten years? Where do you think this is going? So, so much of this is going to come down to whether any of these can actually ever earn the title of currency, I think. 
Uh, I don't believe that app chains are going to exist in the long run either because as I said, when someone running infrastructure can shop around and choose which network is going to be the most profitable for them to run infrastructure for, Okay, so, so say they have the choice between, you know, um, health records on the blockchain app chain, which pays them in health records coin, versus something like, let's pretend that Dash is seen as money at this time also. So do they want to run a miner that pays them in health records coin? and health records coin then has to be sold on an exchange for whatever is considered money at the time so that they can actually spend it? Or do they want to run infrastructure for Dash if Dash will actually like buy them a soda pop, actually buy them a pair of shoes, maybe even miraculously like pay their rent or their mortgage? So I think that I don't think that chains will exist in the long term either. Like so I'm so I'm not part of this whole like, you know, blockchain is database 2.0 uh thought that some people are because because the nature of because of the nature of money basically like money is only something only achieves the the status of money we only call it money when the network effect has been reached in the extreme so until like pretty much everyone on your street considers one particular thing to be a medium of exchange it's not yet money it's a money substitute it's something that can be traded for money and right. so I, I think that whichever blockchain can achieve the almighty status of money first, at least somewhere in the world, some geography considers it money, um, I, I think that all of them will remain, like, they're just as likely to go to zero as they are a million, honestly. Because I hmm. think that, that the only way that any of them will ever be useful and not in a bubble is to achieve the status of money. And then the apps may come. Like if Dash is money, okay, then someone may build smart contracts on the Dash blockchain. Then someone may choose to embed hashes of, you know, whatever proof of whatever within transactions and, and, and et cetera and et cetera. And, you know, thank God our full nodes are incentivized to be able to uh, have the hardware to host, you know, however potentially large such a blockchain may become. So what is dash right now then it's not a money you think or what I mean, what what purpose is it serving right now to the world right right now it is purely a speculative instrument for those of us who think that it will become money uh and the only reason i think that most of us think that dash has a an ice cube's chance in hell of becoming money <laughs> is because we're the only digital currency that's working to offer something I call like digital currency that your money could use, which is to say we're building, it's called Evolution. It's set for alpha release late this year, late 2017. And it will be a protocol level implementation of something that obscures away the look and the feel of cryptography, basically. So that you, you know, your mom can use it and to her it doesn't really feel much different than say PayPal or Venmo or whatever. Because right. I, I think another thing that programmers and technical types uh, vastly underestimate is the average person's comfort, or in this case discomfort, with anything on a computer or a smartphone that is not exceptionally easy to use. 
Okay. I mean, that makes sense. Again, that goes back to er earlier part of the conversation where if it's techie, it's scary, and if it's scary, it's not going to be widely adopted. So that makes total sense. And I've had too many experiences with this. For example, one time I was down in Acapulco, Mexico, and I was feeling, maybe this was like a year ago or whatever, I had not yet, you know, made my full, like, hey, like, Dash is where I want to be now. And so I was feeling like pretty, um, pretty like, hey, I want to, I want to help spread Bitcoin adoption and Bitcoin usage and money of the future. And and I go to a pub one evening and I approach the owner of the pub and I was like, hey, sir, um, there's a such a thing called Bitcoin. I think maybe you've heard some of my friends talk about it before. Would you be willing to open a wallet on your phone and allow me to pay for my beer this evening with Bitcoin? And right. He gave me the best, most, like the answer I was looking for, which was yes, I would be willing to do that for you. And so I thought, okay, I don't want this to look any weirder or scarier than it has to. And so we chose Mycelium Wallet, right? Because I think it's the easiest to use. And so I, I paid him. And before he closes his wallet, I'm thinking, like, damn, should I tell this guy that he should back up his private key? And then I was like, no, like, that that will entail having to tell him what a private key is, which, mm, right. which he's never heard of public-private key cryptography. He has no idea what I'm talking about. And I thought, you know, I've gotten this Wait far. This guy wasn't versed in asymmetric cryptography. <laughs> I know, I know, right? Like, surprise, surprise. Shame. So I'm thinking, I've gotten this far. I don't want to scare this guy off by telling him he should back up his private key. Let's let sleeping dogs lie. Whatever. I go back to the pub the next day. What do you think happened? He accidentally backed over his phone the night before with his motorcycle, and you should have seen the look in his eyes when I told him that his magic Internet money was now gone. Mm. Like, people have no idea what it means to be their own bank. And even if they did, if it's not made easier, they probably won't want to. Like banks exist because so many people want them to exist because they want to hand over their money and say someone else take care of the hassle and expense and time that it takes to secure my wealth. And so the reason, yeah, I mean, it's like I don't want to cook a hamburger right? and fries, so I go to McDonald's, for instance, you know? Yes, yes, thing. sir. Yes, and so even now, even this this protocol-level implementation uh, that I'm telling you about of of not looking like cryptography, cryptocurrency, now even this, okay, so let me just walk you through, like, what Evolution Wallet will feel like. So okay. the way that the... The way that it will work is that, like, anybody can create, like, an Evolution web or an Evolution mobile wallet without needing to run a full node. And the way that they are able to read and write from the Dash blockchain to, like, serve up data to their customers, basically, if you want to call them that, is is what is being called a decentralized API. Like, Dash may well be the first organization ever to launch a decentralized API. And so this API puts in a call for to just a quorum of masternodes, maybe like seven or ten masternodes. And that is how 
the wallet provider is able to deliver like real time you know balance information and able to allow the customer to send and receive payments in real time without running a full note because they just call the dash blockchain uh, via masternode quorums using this D API. Now what this means okay. is that, so say you, Richard, you decide you want to launch an Evolution wallet. You use the D API, and now you're offering a wallet at richardsevolutionwallet.com. And I okay. am a person who signs up to use Evolution through richardsevolutionwallet.com. Basically, I choose a username, I choose a password, and then here, here is the one clincher spot because the only way someone can be their own bank that we know of is for them to keep their own private key. So upon first sign up, a person will be given like a 12-word seed, right, to like write down. That okay. is pro that's probably going to be the hardest part for Dash Evolution because there is still that one little moment where a person is given a piece of information that is not retrievable that is not backed up to the cloud, that is not being managed for them by anybody else. There will be the 12-word seed. After that, however, a user can log into any Evolution interface. They could go to, I think, dashevolution.com already exists. Or I could launch a mobile app called like Evolution Now or whatever. And using these same credentials, just this username and password, people can log into any Dash Evolution wallet and have access to their funds that way because like this stuff exists uh, encrypted in the Dash blockchain and so it's like it doesn't matter if Richard's Evolution Wallet.com like goes offline or you go out of business or you just decide you don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's just it's it's not it's not like you're not managing anybody's private keys. You're not even managing their friends list like people's friends list because they'll be able to send payments to each other via username, right? So if your okay. Dash Evolution username is like Richard is the best and mine is Amanda loves Dash, like I can just mm -hmm. log into my wallet and send money to you. I can send money to Richard is the best. Like not XY74238749. There's just that stuff is gone. And so I can add to my user list, and my user list is also it lives in the Dash blockchain, like not on your server. And so all of this stuff huh. is just, it doesn't matter like if any one wallet provider goes down, it does not matter because the data that people know and use, that is their username, their password, their friends right. list of all of their friends' usernames. <clears throat> Um, and what's more, like their their account types, like a spending account, private account, because that's how we'll mix funds, right? Because you don't have to mix your funds in Dash for privacy. That's like a choice. If you want to mix your funds on our network, you'll just put them into your private account. And the whole time you just feel like you're using, you know, like an online bank. It, it doesn't look right. much different from your Chase account or your Wells Fargo account. And that, I think, is the Ice Cube's chant in hell that any digital currency could possibly compete with the banking system, is to just feel like the banking system. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, it's happening already, but at some point, the, uh, you know, the eye of Sauron, or a.k.a. the, uh, the big governments are really going to take 
a tremendous interest in all that's going on, and they're going to definitely want to put their finger into uh, into it and and control it as as much as they can. You know, I know they can't do 100%, but um, I would guess the cryptocurrency that looks and smells and feels most comfortable to them, or they see the most benefit of, uh, they will make it easier for them to exist versus others. Again, I know they probably can't stamp them out of existence, but um, in order for a cryptocurrency, I think it's just my speculation to become mainstream, it's unfortunately probably going to have to resemble <clears throat> what is going on mainstream, at least in part. But I know your interface becoming familiar to the average user will be a big part of that. I just I don't know what the other pieces will be, but I guess we'll see. Yeah, it will be so interesting to see how this all plays out, and I really. I I don't know how it will. I mean, I don't I don't know. I think I think Andreas Antonopoulos once said that uh he thinks that governments will be changed by crypto much more than crypto would be changed by governments. And so, you know, I don't I don't know if much of anything will look quite like it does now in in 20 or 25 years, but yeah. I, if I I I guess if if a product is usable and on offers and offers considerable benefit over its competitors, I, I think that 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 will take off. Like regardless of you know how weird or improbable that it seems, um, if it offers enough benefit to end users, that's I, that's probably going to happen. Yeah. And the, and then the question is like, okay, so what is the benefit? Like, do that many people really care whether their monetary supply is limited? It would appear not. It would appear that inflation is like the flavor of the day that never, ever ends. So maybe the whole fixed money supply is not so much of a selling point because hardly anybody cares. But what if, and this and this is again kind of what we're betting on in Dash, what if the compelling reason that that someone that is finally the thing that gets someone to like choose dash over the dollar or to choose dash over the euro or the yuan what if it's simply that we can just offer them like more annual return in their savings account or i guess any annual return on their savings account because i understand that some banks around the world are now starting to charge negative interest rates Oh yeah, that's so, that's pervasive. Plus fees, yeah. obviously, you know, there's fees at the yin yang. Plus there's yeah. the war on cash. You know what happened in India right. Uh, right. a little over a month ago. I mean, the the world governments are trying to drive people away from cash, force them into using these institutions and then suck out the last pennies of what they have, you know, with negative right. interest rate and everything. Yeah. Right. So maybe our our compelling use case will just be being able to pay more interest on savings accounts than than banks can or do. And so that actually is also very much in the works. And it's kind of pretty simple how we do it, which is, okay, so since a portion of our block reward is already being paid to masternodes, why not offer anybody the chance to be a shareholder basically in a masternode if, if without having to have the full collateral requirement for a masternode which at this time is a thousand dash which is like 
over eleven thousand, almost twelve thousand dollars in today's prices. Right. So what if we could just offer like shares in that and then operate almost like what is it called? Like a mutual bank? Is that when is that when the people who have funds in the bank also are owners of the bank? Let me say a credit union. A credit union, maybe that's what it is. Yeah. I haven't had a bank account for a while, so I don't I'm not super up on these terms. But yeah, so no. basically like we can act like a credit union in that we can offer a portion of our profits to anybody who's willing to own some stake in our network. And the way that we can do that is so so from the user end this will just look like putting some dash in a savings account. Done. The end of right. what the user needs to do to participate. But on the back end What's happening is that the dash they put in the savings account has a secondary private key generated, and that secondary private key can now be combined with the secondary private keys of any and all other dash users who put some in savings. And once that reaches a thousand dash, that can now be launched into a new masternode by like a techie guy who already knows how to do it, but he probably didn't have the full collateral himself either. And so now he launches the masternode. He gets part of the masternode payouts for himself to compensate himself for running the node, and then the rest are paid out to our end users who own shares in that node. And so, like, in that way, we can be growing our infrastructure, which only technical people can do. Like, I don't think I right. could set up a masternode either, and I work for Dash. <laughs> and so it's <laughs> like the technical people can be building out our infrastructure, and then and then the, the the end users who have no idea what's going on, they just know that when they put some dash into their savings account, there's more dash there the next week. It's just, you know, we're, well, you can we're say to them, embedding this as our use case. Yeah, you can say help us run the network and in return your reward re, your reward is X. That's a real simple yeah. way to put, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of just like, again, this goes back to my belief that these networks, whether they want to be or not, whether they recognize that they are or not, they are businesses. And so if Dash is going to be like busting our ass, like to try to be a a credit, what did you call it? A credit bank? A credit union? A credit union, you know. Yeah. yeah I may be wrong yeah, on that, but yeah. You're operating union. like a decentralized credit union, and the rest of these networks are like, no, we're we're blockchain magic. Like, I really think that a lot of people think that blockchain is magic, and they don't think that everybody on the network needs to be paid, and they don't think that incentives matter, and they don't think that conflicts of interest are true and real threats. Well, then I think right. that we are going to we are going to surpass them. Well, all right, so a good goal of this call is to get people involved in Dash. You know, how do you do that? How do you get a wallet? You know, how do yeah. you get Dash? Uh, how do you transact it? Uh, yeah, well, so what, I mean, what's your if, recommendations? Well, it's lucky for me that your audience already is probably like technologically savvy. Otherwise, they probably wouldn't be listening to your show. And right, so, right. I mean, yeah, at this time, we're just as difficult to use as every other cryptocurrency out there, which is to say that you still have to like download a wallet and then find the way that's most preferable to you to buy coins to fill that wallet. So depending on if you want like a full, there are two types of wallets. 
if you want to use Dash to its fullest extent, which is to say if you want to be able to use um, the coin mixing capability, which is called private send, if you want to be able mm -hmm. to use that to give yourself privacy on the blockchain, basically, um, as well as using another feature we have, which I didn't even mention before, and again, we're the only network that has this, um, a feature called Instant Send, where we okay. utilize quorums of our master nodes to offer locks on input, which is a fancy way of saying we can offer instant confirmations. Um, okay. If you want to be able to use those features, the only wallet that can do both of those at this time is the Dash Core wallet, which is like the full blockchain wallet. But our blockchain right. is not that big, so it's not it's not going to slow down your computer. Like I have a piece of crap laptop, and I can run the whole Dash blockchain on it, no problem. Um, and that's available at dash.org/downloads. And now, uh, on the other hand, if you're just looking for like a way to store Dash, and it's not important to you to mix it, um, then there are lots of mobile wallets that support Dash, also like Jax and Coinami, and um, there's one on Android from Hash Engineering that's just called Dash Wallet, and all okay. that kind of stuff. And so, yeah, and then as far as buying, we are actually at a very interesting time in Dash right now where we have um, a our first fiat gateway, well, at least for dollars, uh, launching this month. Um, nice. It's going to live at dashus.com, that's D-A-S-H-O-U-S, um, and that will launch on January 15th. And that is going to be the first Dash version of local bitcoins, like localbitcoins.com. Okay. Yeah, so you go in there, you like plug in where you live, and then it will show you within an X-mile radius uh, anyone around you who is interested in meeting up to buy and or sell Dash for cash, or I guess whatever it is you want to sell. Um, and then the month after that, in February, I believe, uh, have you heard of the site wallofcoins.com? No, not that one, nope. Okay, so they're similar to local Bitcoins dot com uh they specialize in like like bank transfers so like if you wanted to buy bitcoin and um you went to wallofcoins.com to buy it like the i think the majority of the options you would see is like where you would just basically go deposit cash at the bank branch of whoever's selling and then wallofcoins acts as escrow while you're making the deposit and then they release to you that's basically the thing okay. um yeah, deposits at bank branches. So I think they may also support like Western Union transfers now as well. So anywho, uh, long story short, Wall of Coins is also integrating Dash as of February of this year, I believe. So those will be the um, first two dollar to Dash on ramp. And now if someone lives in Europe, however, I think that SpectroCoin.com already offers a Euro to Dash on-ramp with a credit and debit card buys on, on SpectroCoin.com. So those, I would okay. say, are the primary ways to get Dash right now directly for your Euros or Dollars. Or, of course, there's always the old throwback of getting Bitcoin first because sometimes right. rather often Bitcoin is easier to get. And then you just, you know, shapeshift.io, like change the Bitcoin mm -hmm. to Dash. That, that's easy too. Okay, very good. And then um, quick ranking of the current Dash wallets. Which one do you feel like is the, 
I guess you probably already said this. The most robust is the one where you can do the mixing. And yeah, yep, that's the core wallet. Found it, dash.org slash download. That is the one. Okay. Well, very good. Yeah. Um, it sounds like we we probably should do another interview just on Dash. I apologize we didn't go more into that, but uh, I think you've got so many good things to say from your perspective on looking at all the cryptocurrencies for seven months through the daily decrypt that it was important to talk about that for a while. Oh, sure, sure, yeah. And I'll I'll no. throw a disclaimer out there that for anyone who does download the core wallet and does do does buy some dash and does some coin mixing, um expect the mixing to or expect the time that it takes to mix to grow proportionally to how many coins you're trying to mix. Um we're very much a sub subject to the network effect and that the more people who are on our network mixing at a time, the faster that the mixing will go. And so in these earliest days of Dash, you know, if you're mixing, I don't know, uh, 10 coins, it may take you, um, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes, maybe even up to an hour before they're all mixed and you're good to go. And, you know, it grows from there. So just something to keep in mind uh, in these early days is that you'll want to set aside some time for mixing before stuff is ready to go and you go, for example, spend it or, or just send it on elsewhere. Right. Okay. Well, very yeah. good. Um, yeah, I appreciate your time. And, you know, I'm getting the feeling we could talk for like six hours. <laughs> but, oh, uh, I'm sure we could, Richard. <laughs> well, and thanks for being such a good listener. I, I jibber jabber a lot in these impromptu formats because, you know, I'm not yeah. making like a YouTube video where I have my script and I can, and just, you know, be concise and, and short. And I rather I'm just blabbing, and you've been very kind no, of me. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I appreciate your time. You've been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner of Future Technology podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.